0: Um, so hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Podcast. Um, I'm Gabby Bissett and um, well, I'm really excited today because I have two people with me, <laughs> which is is not something I'm used to. Um, so we've got Cat Edney and Lauren Long, um, who are both dental therapists. Um, I'm really excited about today actually because um, I haven't spoken to many dental therapists, and I think the topic we are talking about is um, very relevant um, and needed. So both of you, obviously, are very passionate about about dental therapy and dental therapists being part of the team. Um, And Kat, I know you said, you know, you're very big on this sort of holistic approach to dentistry. Um, So, yeah, I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think for me, a holistic approach is it's in the
1: standards for a start. So it's something that we all should be doing. Um, But it's about getting to know your patient and treating them according to their lifestyle. So not just their mouth, but also their wants, their needs, um, and not just a whole body approach, but also a whole person approach. Um, like if they're a new mother struggling to get time for themselves, or if they're a taxi driver who doesn't have a nine to five job, then we're going to need to treat them differently and work out how we can fit their routines into their lifestyle, how we can best serve them. Mm. I think the goal for the dental profession is really long lasting stability. And I do believe that if you start at those grassroots, of finding out about the individual
0: Mm.
1: and then tailoring all your information, all your advice, all their treatment to what they need,
0: then that's the key to preventative care yeah and 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 Lauren is this is this something that you sort of operate along these lines as well
2: yeah absolutely I know myself and Kat have spoke about, spoken about this quite a lot actually Um I tend to try and treat my patients like that as well you know I think finding out um from the very start what their goals motivations needs are mm. um, for their own care you know I think gone are the days of you know everyone gets the same set kind of you know even in kind of perio care things like that you know um kind of set appointment lens set kind of protocols for care i know kat and myself again have spoken a lot about kind of protocols and things like that and it's it's tailoring it to the individual is key nowadays i think um you know because then you're you're engaging them more as i say you're you're building rapport with them um, and you're more likely to get a good treatment outcome in the end
0: do you think do you think this approach has been sort of hammered home more as a result of the pandemic um because obviously there's now this huge backlog of patients um, and and people have been at home more. And I think a lot of studies have showed that people were snacking. So, I mean, how have have you both been finding work during this time?
1: I don't know about you, Lauren, but I, I know that the research is saying that this has been a problem, people snacking more, and we need to look at people's sort of home lives a lot more and in more depth. But I feel like a lot of dental practices are lagging behind on that sort of point. And so there's going to be a bit of a, 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 a gap, a void where some patients just aren't getting that help. And we, we will see a lot more patients with a lot more caries um, because it, we haven't really caught up. Um, so, yeah, I really think that um, patients need that conversation again. Quite often, you'll find that a new patient to a practice will have that conversation about lifestyle, social um, history, dental history but then that will be the only time they have that conversation. And we all know that people's lives change um, and everyone's life has changed during this pandemic. So we all need
2: to reignite those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And even my, you know, a lot of my existing patients, you know, if I've maybe not seen them now for a year and a half and they're only just coming back, you know, you do notice a big change in people and I am having those conversations with them, you know, kind of A lot of them are now working from home, which has then, you know, has led to more snacking. And a lot of them have admitted as well that they have actually been worse with their oral care because they're literally just kind of, you know, they have no, not as much motivation for kind of for life as they did. You know, they're literally just kind of rolling out of bed, going to sit at their desk in their living room um, and they're maybe forgetting to brush their teeth or to floss. um, And, you know, it's just having those conversations with them again to see how you can, you can engage them to get them back into their routine and you know I have seen a few people now that you know I've now seen for a couple of visits since the since the lockdown and um, and they are you know they're getting back into it and saying that you know they feel so much better for doing it but it's easy just to slip out of routine isn't it when things have changed so much.
0: Yeah absolutely um, absolutely I mean what obviously you guys are having these conversations and and you're very passionate about dental teams having these conversations but what outside of sort of the, the therapy? um side of things how can dentists dental nurses even receptionists also contribute to this approach because i think some people might have questions on 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 how to go about this and they might sort of say well we haven't got enough time you know they're trying to deal with this backlog and they're having to get people in and then get them out again quickly how how what kind of tips would you give to to other members of the team
1: i think it's totally about teamwork right because you're if you ask your receptionist that what sort of conversations they're having with the patients actually the receptionists know a lot about the patients perhaps more than um, the dentist realizes and more than the dental nurses realize maybe the dental nurses get a little bit of information as they're walking them to the practice to the surgery you know and all these little tidbits of information about of you know I mentioned a new mother I've had a baby during lockdown which is very common at the moment um, Or um, I've changed jobs or, you know, just little things. I'm super stressed because I fell off my bike. You know, those little bits of information all piece together a puzzle. And if the team was to communicate that as importantly as we communicate in other ways, like medical histories, um, I think you'll find that that team approach really helps in a way to sort of build a picture about a patient. And it's the overall, like I say, holistic picture Mm. that's really important.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's your communication within your practice, you know, because I've I've worked in practices previously where, you know, you literally, as the kind of the hygienist or therapist, you literally go into your little room and you don't see anyone all day. You maybe see people at lunchtime. Um, but where I work now, um, I feel like we're, we're quite good at communicating with each other. So, you know, reception, as I said, they are the ones that have kind of, I suppose, almost unlimited time to talk to the patients. So, you know, if a patient rings up um and says you know oh I'm in a bad place at the minute because my mom is ill or you know again I've got a young baby and I've been short on time or you know something's happened to them and um, even if it's a good thing like they're getting married in a couple of weeks something like that and um, our receptionists will tend to just kind of note it all down on the appointment um, and then we'll have we have a morning huddle as well which works really well so and um, you know we then will pass information on to each other so even if we've not um kind of documented it you maybe say oh yeah when I saw that person last week they mentioned this to me um, and this is why they're struggling or this is why you know they're having a nice occasion coming up remember to congratulate them um, and it just all of that just helps you and um, as I say make your care better and also to um, you know to make your patients feel like you're, you're making the effort to get to know them and um, their situation.
0: I mean that's a good point as well isn't it you want the patient to feel like they're being cared for in the right way um, so by mm-hmm. asking these questions you can then give them the best care that they that they require. I mean, do you both work? So, where do you both work? Um, sort of what, what whereabouts in 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 the country? So I'm in central London in a in a,
1: a private practice with a one specialist and and two generalists. Okay.
0: How about you, Laura?
2: Yeah. So I'm in I'm in Edinburgh um, and I again I work in a fully private practice um, with one implant surgeon and um, um, a couple of cosmetic dentists as well. So. Okay. Yeah. So, what what kind of what are the sort of
0: common issues that you're you're seeing among patients at the moment is there is there sort of a theme that you're seeing since you've been back?
1: I think Lauren um, hit the nail on the head when she said that a lot of patients have lost motivation, right. um, and I think it's the the lack of routine. We are such a routine driven group of people, aren't we? <laughs> you know, we're all so used to our our wake up times, our alarms, our having watches on us all the time and um looking clock watching and we actually haven't needed to do that as much um and and as well lauren was saying it's sort of like that the sort of thought that actually there's no reason for me to get up and do my teeth because i'm not going out i'm not seeing anyone Um, and that self-care is starting to be a bit lacking and i see a huge divide actually i've got patients who have really gone full pelt with self-care and have been amazing and really turned a corner during the pandemic because they've had time for themselves finally but then I've got a huge group of patients that just have lost all motivation because they don't have routine and I think finding routine in a lack of routine is really important so I, I was I always suggest sort of you know leave your floss picks in the shower it's something you do every day you know make sure that you do x y and z at the same time as doing this you know keep your TP's by your laptop those sort of things because there are things that we do every day it's just we don't always equate it with our dental health
2: yeah no that's a good point Is yeah. that something and you I think it? um yeah I was just gonna say cats totally right Um, I I think people have gone kind of one way or the other and there are two extremes and there's very little middle ground you know and people have either completely given up almost or they've used the time to you know I've got lots of patients that have come in and they're like oh I've been doing the keto diet throughout lockdown I've lost three stone and you know and then there are ones who just like oh my goodness likely I've put on the lockdown weeks I've just been snacking all the time Um, and it is that thing of you know I, I always say to my patients, you know, like, I don't, I don't do lectures, you know, so a lot of them will come in and they're like, oh, God, like, I've not been doing it. But, you know, patients who've not seen me before, who've maybe come because they can't get um, an appointment elsewhere or something like that, you know, they come in and they're, they're so sheepish about it, you know, they're like, oh, I've not, I've not been doing it. And I know you're going to lecture me. And I'm just like, I feel like, you know, kind of that, ha- you know, that has to be forgotten in the past as well, because I think we, you know, it's, it's not going to motivate anyone if you're lecturing them, you know, I don't, I don't like to lecture anyone Um I always say to my patients you know like I will arm you with the information you need but and if you choose to use it great and if you if you really choose not to use it then that's that's your prerogative you know so um, I think that's a good way to go about it.
0: I think as well because of the pandemic everyone's just been coping with it as as you know the best they can and that's that's what manifests itself differently so like you said, Lauren, some people might be going out and really sort of motivated to maybe exercise or or cut back on, on on sort of unhealthy eating, whereas other people are just, you know, doing anything they can to make themselves sort of feel comforted during this time. So, I mean, obviously, you're both very passionate about having therapists in the team. Um, and, and when people look to, to recruit therapists, obviously, I'm, I can imagine they're looking at sort of how is it going to benefit the patients? But also, you know, we can't ignore the fact that they're going to be thinking, how is it going to benefit me financially as well? Um, so, I mean, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. Obviously, they feed into each other. But I mean, what, what, would, you, what would you say are the benefits of having a therapist on board?
1: Yeah, no, I find this really interesting because when I was a child, I don't know about you both, but when I visited the dentist um, all those years ago, <laughs> um, I... It was one dentist, um, a dental nurse, and actually for our practice, the dental nurse was also the receptionist. And it was this idea of like a one man band situation. And I really feel like we haven't moved away from that model. What we have is lots and lots and lots of one man bands, dentist, nurse, dentist, nurse, dentist, nurse, all under one practice roof or one practice umbrella. Um, And so those dentists are in isolation, seeing patients, it's their patients, it's their list, and they're not maximizing their profits by doing treatments that they they possibly don't need to be doing themselves. When you add a therapist into the mix, what you've got is um, a therapist taking away the low profit treatments from that dentist and freeing up time in their diary for them to do what they want to be doing. When you add a therapist into the mix with lots of associate dentists or specialist dentists, a bit like you've got Lauren, you your dent your therapist is taking the small um bits of um treatment for the for themselves, they're doing those treatments. They are usually taking a lower percentage as well than a dental associate would take. Um, So the practice benefits, but also you can direct those patients to the correct clinician for them. So I I mentioned earlier I work with um, an oral surgeon who places implants. He's incredible. It's his favorite thing to do. He loves doing that. I've got another associate dentist who's got a special interest in endo. I'm really impressed by his crowns and his endo and his onlays. He's really amazing. And then another generous dentist that really loves um, ortho. She's amazing at ortho and she's got a real interest in that. So when I see patients um, and I see them direct access, so I, I I'm the first person, the first point of call, I can direct those patients to the exact right clinician for them, if I know that at some point they might be needing their wisdom teeth out or they might be needing an implant, I'm going to direct them to my oral surgeon um, dentist. So for the practice, that means that the dentists are maximizing their profits because they are able to see those patients and treat those patients and not have to refer them elsewhere. But also I'm freeing up a lot of time in their diary so that it's not being taken up with Um, you know, simple occlusal restorations, simple fractured um, anteriors that need a little bit of um, composite bonding, that also take away all the paediatric care, you know, stuff that they perhaps don't have such a big interest in. So it's not just a financial benefit, but it's also keeping those dentists and associates really happy, really engaged, really enjoying their work and providing a level of care that is, you know, top notch gold standard care.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and I know again, this is something we're both really passionate about. But um, you know, protocols—it's all about getting your protocols correct. Um, where I work is slightly different. Um, I know myself and Kat have spoken about this as well in the past. But um, we actually all our um, kind of routine cares therapist led. So okay. when a patient comes in for a, kind of their six-month routine checkup, um, it's done alongside their um, perio visit as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the dentist will actually come in to my room and do the checkup um, in my room. So they'll come in and um, I'll have a good chat with them, get a kind of history, do any x-rays that are needed, um, do kind of full perio screening, full heart tissue screening as well. The dentist then comes in um, and we'll chat about kind of what I've found they'll then have a look and see and kind of if there's anything outside my scope um, and that they need to speak to the patient about but um, that works really well and it makes us all you know it makes us all work brilliantly as a team because again as Kat says you know if that patient comes in and they usually see one dentist but that day you know they've got they've somehow lost a tooth and they need an implant or they they need their wisdom teeth extracted you know I'll know that we're all really cool with getting someone else involved you know the dentists are not Not so territorial of like, you know, that's my patient, no one else can see them. we, we all share you know so all, we all just yep. get the best person for that patient so the oral surgeon then will be happy to come in just have a chat with the patient go for kind of implants things like that and um, and it works great because it means again it's it's way more efficient for the patients because mm-hmm. they're not having to you know I'm not having to say oh come back in two weeks when he's got an appointment you can see him then it's it's kind of dealt with that day and then if they do need kind of further investigations and things they can they can book in then. but at least they've had a chat and they've, they've met the person that they're yeah. going to be seeing so I think it makes patients happier it's Wow.
0: It it sounds like you've moved away from that model that Kat was sort of talking about at the beginning there of yes. this dentist dental nurse um, type relationship where there's, there's nobody else sort of involved in the process I mean do yes. you think do you think I mean what conversations are you having with people is do you think this is happening more often or do you think it's not happening quick enough
1: I can't tell you how many dentists say to me are you actually legally allowed to do an exam on a patient and these are these are dentists who qualified after the direct access changes in 2013 so they should have been qualifying alongside therapists knowing that that is uh, um, absolutely part of our scope and part of our role Um, I think it's really difficult to change mindsets within the profession, It's very hard, and I can totally understand why, it's very hard to let go of your your patients. Um, And and there's a a lot of talk about vicarious liability at the moment, so I can see why it could be stressful for dentists um, to allow care to go into someone else's hands. However, I would say, and I don't know about you, Lauren, but nobody seems to have problems sending hygiene work to somebody else. (laughs) Um, But they will. They can't send therapy work. I think it will change. I think this year certainly has seen a huge increase in inquiries about therapies. Um, I definitely have a lot of uh, people contacting me on social media and asking me about my therapy protocols and how to implement them. I see it changing. I just think it's going to take a little more time still.
2: I think, I think it probably will, it will take a while, um, as Kat says, I think sometimes, I think sometimes, um, you know, practice principles, they, they want to do it, but they're just not quite sure how. Uh-huh. you know and then again there has I think historically as well within the profession from both sides been a bit of a kind of like an us and them type of approach like you know we just like like I say you know you just go into your room and you just do your thing and you don't really integrate with each other but and I think that can be scary if you need to change that you know and you, you don't really know how but I think if you have good team members then you know if everyone is willing to give it a go then it can it can work great for both um as Kat says you know the dentists and therapist benefit because we're all doing the work we want yeah. to do and also for the patients. Benefit benefit as well
0: so do you think it's more um, any barriers you're facing do you say it's more profession rather than patient that is stopping hygienists from sort of advancing i guess
1: i do think there's a general lack of knowledge amongst um, the general public okay. about what a dental therapist is um, but i don't think that that's too difficult to change they you only need to explain it once um, so, yeah, I think it's probably profession-based um, concerns. Um, you know, not everybody likes change and likes moving forwards. Dental therapists have been around since the 80s. Um, I think it probably is time that we um, moved on. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's coming. It just needs more, more airtime.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely I don't think some of the media coverage I think of dentistry over the last 12 months as well probably hasn't helped um in many ways because it's you know it's unfortunately people a lot of the time believe what they read um and um as a result of that I think I mean maybe maybe not so much I think patients have been quite happy to go back but there was just a lot of negativity particularly in the early days um mm-hmm. which probably put a stop to any any sort of progress um, but hopefully going forward now we'll see see more of a move towards that that um that model uh, move away from the sort of more traditional um, staffing levels um, but i mean people listening to this so so for example there may be people listening now who who might want to who might be looking to go down this route of of bringing therapists on board and getting them involved in the team but they may have some 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 reluctance or like you said lauren some people just don't know how Um, So what what would you say to these people who who perhaps might be hesitant to recruit? I would say first talk to your therapist. First talk to your
1: therapist because um, we all have different levels of abilities. We all have different um, things that we enjoy doing. And if you have a hygienist on board, the chances are they are probably a therapist as well. Um, So talk to them and see what they think um, they could do or how they think they can contribute also, there's loads of um, information. Um, I mean, I've certainly written a lot of articles about it. <laughs> um, and there's plenty of um, webinars out there um, about implementing therapy, implementing direct access. Um, so I would have a little look online as well because there are models such as Lauren's that work extremely
2: well. Yeah, Sam, I think, I think, you know, go and speak to someone who's doing it. Go and speak to another practice principal. Me, who is you know who's already implemented this Um, or as Kat says you know there's there's loads of webinars there's loads of articles things like that just just go and learn about it if you're if you're interested in doing it um, and then you know you can obviously then you can tailor the the kind of figures to your own practice because obviously everyone's going to be charging differently for appointments and you know everyone might be on kind of different kind of wage percentages and things like that as well so you can then kind of slot the figures into your own and see if it's a viable a viable model that'll work for you.
0: I think I think things like this as well that we're having these conversations and if people can listen and, and it can answer the questions that they might have um, I think that's important I know you you both said it's about changing mindset and that can take a while particularly with um in, in dentistry I guess you know you you it's difficult to change something particularly if you're of maybe the older generation not necessarily but you're you're used to your, throughout your whole career doing things a certain way to then change that up it can be quite difficult um, but I, I did promise you two before we started this that I wasn't going to chuck any surprise questions at you. Um, this isn't a, uh, a surprise question that's going to throw you off, hopefully. But I, f- I forgot to tack it onto the end that I sent of, of the list that I sent <laughs> to you. But I try to move away from dentistry at the end of at the end of these podcasts and just uh, finish off with something a little bit more, yeah, maybe lighthearted is the word. Um, but if if you two weren't working within dentistry, um, what do you reckon? you would be working in well um
1: definitely for me i think it would be something artistic okay i um i went into dentistry because i loved science but i also loved art and i didn't know how else to combine the two <laughs> so um well we just renovated our house i loved that loved doing interior design um and i've also worked with photographers before who photograph houses uh-huh. so I think I would probably do something artistic to do with interiors or, or architecture or something like that.
0: Okay how was it stressful? The, the it, Do you know it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't
1: stressful in the slightest I actually loved every minute of planning where plug sockets go and um, you know um, making specific decisions on tiles and stuff like that. I just feel like I'm a good decision maker.
0: Okay.
1: Um, While well, everyone else around me was. Possibly losing their heads slightly. <laughs> i was going
0: to say that <laughs> I've
1: heard someone say they enjoyed every second of a house renovation. That's a first. It was actually, it was actually really liberating, and I can't wait to do it again. We um, we just need I just need to persuade my husband to sell the house. Um, <laughs> and then we'll do it all over again.
0: Wow. Okay. I admire your patience. That takes a certain type of person, I think, to 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 enjoy that. Um,
2: what about you, Lauren? What would, what do you do? Yes, yeah, see, I am not artistic in any way at all. So, um, I am more like I'm a logical-minded person. So, um, I don't. I've thought about this recently, actually. Just um, not because I want to leave dentistry, just because um, there's been a lot of chat about people leaving dentistry, and I was just like, oh, what would I do? And um, uh-huh. I have my always kind of like secondary goal, other than dentistry, was to be a paramedic. Actually, so I think I'd still be doing something. Um, something that kind of you know caring for patients Um, and I just I just love science I'm just a total science nerd like I just love science and I just (laughs) love learning about science and medicine um, and all that so yeah I'd probably be doing something like that I would imagine although I don't I think dentistry has much more sociable hours than being a paramedic so (laughs) yeah there is an advantage
0: (laughs) absolutely so um Thank you, thank you both so much for giving up your time today. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think there's a, yeah. a lot of things here that people can take away and um, consider, um, and then and then hopefully apply going forward.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Yeah,
0: thank you.